peek behind the curtain of the Softly Training Lab with the Softly Performance Podcast. The pinnacle of human performance is out there, and we intend to find it. Welcome back to the Softly Performance Podcast, the Lunch and Learn Series, Chapter 7, Occupational Stress, Episode 3. If you haven't listened to Episode 2 or 1, we highly recommend you go back and listen to those two. We have unpacked a lot of information when it comes to understanding and knowing how to view stress from an occupational standpoint. And we've talked a little bit about different ways how we can go to manipulate and manage it within a team environment, as well as outside of the tactical population as well into your more corporate world, something that you're doing in that side of the house. Why? Because when we go to look at occupational stress, something that we've seen over the past four months, like I've, like we've done with this case study, is that the psychological stress on an individual is quite higher than, I'm not going to lie, what I perceived it to be. And I think that was just because, you know, when I was going through it, we talked about this in the two other episodes, is this, the physical stress was quite high from the occupation, but I never really tied it to the, the, the psychological stress. And now, as we are now going into a decade, a little bit longer of, of our coaching careers and getting into the adolescence aspects, we're now starting to kind of take this idea of isolations of things and create these integrations of them, which have allowed us to go ahead and innovate new ideas, new ways to do things and new ways to think where, you know, we create a new way to, to look at life. So today's episode, we're going to be focusing more on the application and what we can try and do from a tactical professional standpoint. Again, we understand that a lot of the things that we're going to talk about is going to take some work. It's going to take some work, take some discipline on you and you and having these conversations with other people to foster this environment so that you guys can excel as a whole. All right. So Matt, take it away. Let's go and drop into some of these contents, Steve. Yeah. So, so this is, this is going to kind of sound like a bit of an echo for, for similar episodes where where we've kind of covered episode three with the, the practical application side of things in the, Occupational stress is is kind of no different to the the sleep side of things or like the the nutrition side of things in that a stress is a stress is a stress. So if you and I guess that's one of the beauties of of how the how the model works. So if one of those pillars that we've we've kind of discussed a bit sleep or a bit nutrition or occupational stress in this instance, if one of those pillars is is like taking a fragging if you're really struggling. So in this instance, you've got uh, projects that are due boss is an idiot colleagues aren't like pulling their weight all that kind of stuff um rather than just just kind of accepting and and the whole foundation crumbling what we can do is share some of that um share some of that weight out if you like from occupational stress um share some of that onto some of the other pillars so specifically that might look like if, if you're in a position where you you kind of know roughly what your occupational load might be over the course of a year or over the course of like a a, a posting, like a three-year posting, for instance, then when you, when you know there's going to be areas of, of, of red, of real high stress uh, coming from work, that might be time to manipulate the other pillars. So you can back off on, on high intensity training. You might want to increase the the quality and the focus you, you put on things like nutrition and recovery and sleep, because then that helps keep everything balanced even though that occupational stress pillar is, is taking a pounding. Um, and obviously that's, that's easier said in theory than in practice. Um, I appreciate that there's, there's definitely a, a high amount of unpredictability within the tactical community, but nevertheless, most people will, will normally, once they've been in the role for a, 
like a, a period we'll normally be able to get those those feelings of, of when there's going to be peaks and troughs of, of, of high workload um, and this kind of comes back to a point that George was making before really that not or trying not to perceive those those peaks of, of occupational stresses as as being a threat almost like take it as an opportunity to to perform and to kind of stretch up to that to have that flexibility to stretch up and in doing so that's what we can use the, the other well, and it comes down to this you said it in episode one as well in episode two the idea of pressure right and we understand that we operate at a specific level as an individual depending on the pressure we either been applied to ourselves from an internal standpoint or the pressure applied to us from an external standpoint and let's go ahead and break down the two ideas of pressure, we can go ahead and look at the idea of absolute pressure, and then we can go ahead and look at the idea of relative pressure, right? And how do we go ahead and break that down? What does absolute mean? Something that's always going to be constantly there, right? And the relative idea of pressure is going to be some of those things that we create from an internal standpoint, and sometimes things that um, that come out of nowhere that we can control right away once they come, and then we can make adjustments. But the absolute idea of pressure is things that are ultimately always going to be constantly there. And how do we go ahead and increase our ability or the tolerance or the capacity to go ahead and, and have those absolute stress or absolute pressure, right? Kind of be lowered a little bit to where it's not always constantly at a seven or eight or a nine to where whenever we do have some of those relative, the relative pressure come in from, you know, internal standpoint or from an external one, we then have the ability to go ahead and we have a little bit of a gap now to go ahead and, and raise up. And the way I like to use that is if you watched Alex Honnold, I think his last said that properly. He just he did the free solo climb on El Capitan by himself. And what he talked a lot about was, was he does a lot of work in the aspect of trying to go ahead and, and keep his arousal state at like a two or a three. And he he broke it down into a color scheme: green, yellow, and red. And he says that every time he is moving on the wall, especially in a situation like such, he tries to keep himself in the green. So when he does put himself in a position, he has the ability to go ahead and stretch into the yellow or to the red and then pull himself back. And that's the idea, again, where I keep talking about don't snap, be able to be flex and stretch, is being able to learn how to transfer between the green, yellow, and red when it comes to the pressure and the occupational stress um, we see as a whole, right? So it's, okay, cool. Got that. We, we get that now. But how do we go ahead and apply things to allow for us to go ahead and manage that transition or that that the scalability from green, yellow, red? We can go into the first one and talk a little bit about breathing work and visualization work, right? Especially in the moment. We, you know, taking in a, a slow, deep inhale with maybe a slight pause for a couple of seconds and then a long, sleep, a long, slow exhale with a pause for a couple of seconds just to kind of help, you know, manage your, your arousal level if it's too high. Now, if it's too low and you're like, man, I just don't have the energy to get into it, well, you have the ability to go ahead now and increase your, your, your central nervous system to increase that arousal. Maybe you need to put a little bit more pressure on you. So we can do some breathing work as such as rapid inhales, exhales for 30 seconds or for 30 reps, right? And then all of a sudden retest and see where you're at. You're like, all right, cool. I'm feeling good now. Now I can start kind of going from there or going and utilizing visualization, which we talked about from the psychological uh, state episode and chapters is being able to create this visualization from, you know, if I'm not, if I don't, I don't have enough pressure from an, from an external standpoint, I need to add pressure from an internal standpoint that's going to get me to operate at that healthy level so I can perform. Or I need to go ahead and decrease that arousal from a visualization standpoint to get me into that buzzing optimal state. 
again, we keep going back to this idea of being able to find this optimal state to operate and manage stress. Well, again, it's not always going to be that perfect. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's a work, work in progress, progress right? It's, it's a legitimate it's a skill. skill. And I, I'm glad that you said it's a skill. With skills, what do you have to do to get better at them? You have to practice them. So there's another way to apply to go ahead and learn how to lower how you perceive occupational stress is learning how to go ahead and do learn your job, learn your occupation to the best of your ability will help lower your stress in stressful situations. And we can go ahead and and let's go ahead and go with a a we'll use different we we'll use three examples. We we'll use an, a law enforcement officer, a firefighter, and a and a tactical individual, let's say a, a infantryman. The LEO knows that at that he must be able to, when he goes into a car stop, right, there's multiple known variables that come with it. And within those variables, there's multiple ones that you know that could automatically happen, right? There's an absolute pressure that we know. We still have the ability, though, to manage the relative pressures that come with that traffic stop. If I can go ahead and manage the aspect of the absolute pressures of what I know has come from this from previous experiences and past of brothers and sisters have done this, and then also be able to understand that there are some relative stressors or pressure that might come up and I need to be able to handle that. What I get to do there now is I have then practiced the skill of being able to go through these different situations. How would I work it? How would I do it? And again, are they all going to be perfect? No, but at least you've worked different skill sets and you now have the tools to react to it. It's the same thing with a firefighter right? The absolute pressure is specific types of calls, right? Everyone has specific types of calls that they automatically just work through when you have to do those things or the how you want to look at and the relative pressure, the stress of that or new situations on scene once you get there and make an assessment, right? And you kind of go through that. Well, being able to have the, the again, the experience, the practice, the repetition of going through those types of situations, even though they might not be the same, there are some similarities there. And if you have done the job enough and created that experience, you can recognize those similarities. So there's three things right there you can take in your pocket and do to go ahead and just help from an individual standpoint, right? So that I can perform. Yeah, I, I guess all that stuff comes under the umbrella almost of the efficiency piece that we, we talked about in, in the previous episode. Um, I, I think I completely agree with you. I think getting that experience, like greasing the groove almost, is is something that um, we're we're kind of all about in terms of trying to increase that that longevity. So you get the opportunity to do that. But something that you can you can kind of take home and and, and try right now is is some of the tips we picked up from from Tony Nash. Um, if you've not checked out that episode, that's that's well worth it. That was uh, a kind of a, a different. Uh, thing that's not within lunch and learn series but it's well worth checking out um and and he has um this uh this this product i suppose it's called called the night before journal um and we'll make sure we we put a link in the in the show notes to that but essentially it's it's this concept of of trying to make a plan for the for the upcoming day um and again i understand that within the tax community that to make a really specific plan is sometimes quite difficult, but if you can have an idea of the things that you want to check off that list, um, that that can give you a really good insight as to as as to sort of where that efficiency piece is, um, and to kind of link that back in with with George's last examples for for both the law enforcement and the, the fire guys, if you can kind of as part of the the plan, if you can think about any possible snags or problems that might happen, and then either 
individually or, or with, within your, your team, if you can play out and explore solutions to those problems, that can be a huge boost in terms of um, not only increasing the efficiency in, in real time, but also how stressful you're going to Correct. perceive the situation to be. Well, so it goes into that the, the example next of the infantryman, and we can go ahead and look at it from an individual standpoint, and then we can look at it in a team context, and, and we can go ahead and blend all those across the board into you know law enforcement and firefighters and first responders. But the idea here is when we go and look at the infantryman, right, they get taught weapon malfunction drills. So when we get into a firefighter, they get into a specific you know situation and their weapon jams, they have the ability to go ahead and go through standard operating procedures to go ahead and, and fix that malfunction and get the gun back in the fight. Well, the cool thing about that is when that happens, your teammates have to recognize what's going on and realize that, hey, but there's potentially a gun no longer in the fight. I need to pick up my slack because this is currently a weak, and it's not even a weakness. It's just currently, a, I'm doing something to fix my weapon so I can get back into the fight so we can go ahead and manage that. It's the same thing for me when I'm on the battlefield and looking at my buddies. If I notice that there's, you know, volume of rounds are slowing down and I look over to my right and it's because my buddy's fixing or reloading, I should be able to recognize that and continue moving and, and doing those things. Now, when we go ahead and take the idea of the individual and the team concept from a, from a tactical professional standpoint or population, especially the infantrymen, again, those, those, those repetitions and skill sets that we've learned in, again, in a low stress environment also can transfer over to a high stress environment. And that's the goal when we go ahead and look at the said principle, low skill to high skill. Well, the low stress, the high stress is the same exact thing. If you're learning how to do weapon malfunction drills and you guys are talking guns and you guys are communicating on just the firing range, guess how that actually now carries over when you go ahead and do it in real life. It actually does have carryover and you now have the ability to manage your occupational stress. And now you can have the energy to handle when you have rounds flying at you as well. And that takes a skill to go and understand is when you have rounds zipping over your head or they're whipping by your head and the vibration of the sound barrier fucking rocks you in the side of the head because it was meant for you, but it missed. You know, you have all these different things. So it's kind of one of the, the idea of the infantryman or the, the military individual who is in the combat zone. It only allows for you then to go ahead and keep this idea of peripheral narrowing or your attention span from going to becoming a one and you can keep it at a five, which allows for you then to recognize the battlefield that much easier because the stress is no longer so daunting or demanding that you don't have the ability to go ahead and focus right or have this wide span and yeah. that's a big thing that we have to go ahead and look at when it comes to operating in those realms especially in the fire world and the and in the leo world mm, yeah kind of like tunnel vision coming in as you as you get increasingly correct. stressed correct right no, yeah it's being able to to not have that tunnel vision be so small it's being able to have a very wide range to be able to work and acknowledge and be able to perceive things as you move through whatever experience you're going through, whatever situation is happening, that's going to go ahead and increase overall occupational stress. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, really the, the other, the other piece I just wanted to, to touch on with, with this episode was this idea of, of obviously people within the tactical community, it, it's more than just a job. It's, it kind of becomes a, a lifestyle. It's a career. It's, it's a real deep part of who they are. I think one thing that can that can really help is is trying to work a little bit on that compartmentalization between like George was talking about in the last episode, wonder and rigor. So trying to separate the work day to, to when you're you're kind of at home or, or not in work, whatever that looks like. Um, so one thing we've got is the, the sort of the challenge this week, something to, to play around with is 
if possible, see if you can start to create, uh, I, I don't want to use boundaries, but see if you can start to create maybe some more separation between what happens at work and then when you when you come home. Um, and one way that, again, we've, we've kind of played around with in the, in the case study we're conducting is trying to use the, the car journey or the, the walk, however you get from, from work to home, using that as an opportunity to practice some of the down regulation. Uh, and that could be some, some breath work, some of the things that, that George has mentioned in previous chapters. Definitely go back and, and check those out if you want more information. But playing around with, with using that as a chance to, to try and let go of some of, the, some of the stress, some of the occupational load you've experienced during the day, so that when you can come back, when you go back to, to home or, or away from work, you have a more positive experience with your support network that's there. And that kind of links into the, the second point or the second um, kind of extension of this is trying to trying to work to incorporate your support network more so that they understand when you've got periods of, of high stress coming up or when you've got periods where you can you can afford to kind of be a little bit more relaxed. Um, and, and getting everyone on the same page for that is, is yeah. easier said than done. But I think it's definitely something to, to work Again, for. it's being transparent with yourself and everyone around you. And another big thing too, I want to throw that we've seen with a case study is writing therapy. And I hate the fact that I, and I don't hate it. It's just, I don't, I probably find another term. Fuck it. You know, it's writing therapy, <laughs> but, uh, what we've been doing is we've been asking our, our individual during this case study to go ahead and write out everything from his job, either before he leaves his work or before he goes to bed. And what that has helped him do one, it's helped him detach from work and compartmentalize work as well as help him sleep better. Because again, one thing I, one big thing I've learned is we're really good thinkers, but we're not really good at not thinking. So we have to find ways on not thinking. So what I've, what we've given him is like, Hey, before you go to bed, jot down a bunch of stuff that you had at work that's still in your head while you've been with your family. So you can keep moving on. And even if you notice a, a thought come up about work, write it down real quick, even if you're with your friends or whatever else, so that you can go ahead and get rid of it and you can keep moving forward. Um, it's something that I've learned from the writing world as a whole. Whenever I have a, an idea for, you know, if I'm writing a, a short story or if I'm writing a, a whatever, I have this idea, I write it down real quick and I'm allowed to move on. So what I'm doing is I'm creating a, a connection to this association of actually putting it down, letting it out of my head and then moving on instead of having it remanent in my head. So ultimately what we have done is really just added a bunch of value to you guys to go ahead and start throwing into your own life. And if you have different ways to do things, we would love to hear it. But overall, if this is the first episode you listened to, I hope you got a lot out of it and understood a lot what we talked about. If you're still kind of on the fence of like, what is it we're really trying to get to, please head over and check out episode one and two. And if you want to have a conversation with us, please reach out to me either at george at softly.com or matt at softly.com. Thank you for listening to chapter seven on occupational stress.